So now that we finished with the various definitions in the standards, let's look at presentation of a cash flow statement. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the cash flow statement is presented by categorizing the items under three major activities. That is the operating activities, financing activities, and uh, no, operating activities, investing activities, and then what? Financing activities. So let's begin first with the operating activities. Let me rub my board and then up here. So operating activities. Operating activities. Now, like I mentioned earlier, the operating activity simply refers to the, the amount of net cash flows. Okay, the amount of net cash flows arising from operating activities. Okay, so what are some of these operating activities? I told you that the operating activities are the core activities of the company, which is usually by way of uh, taxes, can be direct or indirect, or goods and services. So let's look at some examples of activities or cash flows that are categorized under operating activities. One, cash received from taxes, levies, and fines. Cash received from charges for goods and services provided by the entity. Cash received from grants for transfer and other appropriation or other budget authority made by central government. Cash received from royalties, fees, uh, commissions, other cash received from other public entities to finance their operations, not including loans. Cash payment to suppliers for goods and services. Cash payment to and on behalf of employees. Cash receipts and cash payment of insurance uh, entity for insurance for an insurance entity for premiums and claims. Cash receipt. Cash payment of local property tax or income tax where appropriate in relation to an operating activity. Cash receipt and payment from contracts held by held for dealing or trading purposes, cash receipt or payment from decontinuing operation, and cash receipt or payment in relation to litigation settlement. So all of these are some of the cash flows categorized under operating activities. But remember what I told you earlier, that the cash flow from the operating activity can be prepared using two types of methods. We have the direct method and the indirect method. If we're using the direct method, then the things I just listed here will be totaled and that will give us the next uh, uh, operating activity, the next cash flow from operating activity. Does it make sense? So all your receipts and all your payments relating to the operating activities will be listed if you are using the direct method for the operating activities. Remember, the direct or indirect method is just reflecting or relating to the operating activity. So if we're using, we are using the direct method for the preparation of a cash flow in relation to the operating activities, then we are going to be listing those activities and the net of which will be classified under the net cash flow of the operating activities. Then we come to the second category, and that is going to be uh, financing, investing activity. Now let me say something here. So assuming we're using the indirect method, which is uh, what we expect to be using, 
I'm going to give you the pro forma of the two later on. You will see it on your screen and we'll go through it as well. Now, if we're using the indirect method, like I mentioned earlier, we would have started with a surplus or deficit from the statement of financial performance we prepared. The surplus or deficit. Okay? Then, once we start with that, we are going to make various adjustments for non-cash items. Because remember, in the preparation of the statement of financial performance, because of the accrual EPSAs that we are using, there will be some non-cash items like depreciation, like amortization, like provision for bad debt, and other non-cash items. So if you are preparing the cash flow from uh, uh, an indirect perspective or indirect approach, then we'll bring the net profit, no profit, surplus or deficits, then we make adjustment for non-cash item and any other movement in uh, the current assets of the organization. So that is very important. The direct or indirect relate solely to your operating activities and the rest are just the same. Next one, investing activities. The separate disclosure of cash flows arising from investment investing activities is important because the cash flows represent the extent to which cash outflows have been made for resources which are intended to contribute to the entity's future service delivery. Examples of cash flows arising from investing activities are as follows. Cash payment to acquire property, plants and equipment, intangible assets, other long-term assets. We've mentioned this already. Cash received from the sale of property, plants, and equipment, intangible assets, and other long-term assets. Cash payment to acquire equity or debt instruments of other entities and interest in joint ventures. That is also for investing activities. Now, what does that mean? For instance, let's say that um, we agree, you and I agree that, okay, let, let, let's, be, let, let's use uh, organization, uh, public sector organizations. So let's say the Ghana Education Service uh, uh, with the Ghana Health Service, okay, jointly undertakes a project, okay, of which they are all investing money in, which they are going to be selling, maybe to break even at the end of the day. That is a joint venture. And the investment Ghana Education Service is making inside, the money they are paying, the contributing, will become part of their own investing activity. And the same way applies to the Ghana Health Service. Cash advances and loans made to other parties, other than advances and loans made by the public financial institutions. So cash advances and loans made to other parties. So receivables, okay? Some loans that we are giving to people, those will be covered here in relation to that. Cash received from the repayment of advances and loans. So the loans we give is an outflow. The, uh, the money we receive from, the, from those advances we make is an inflow. That is why I told you that when it comes to the public sector, it's a bit different. If you understand cash flow from the uh, financial reporting perspective, you realize that these things are not there, but we are talking about them here. Cash payment for future contracts forward contracts, uh, uh, option contracts, swap contracts, except when the contracts are held for dealings, dealing or trading purposes. So any cash payment for hedging, 
issues, okay? All these things are hedging, and you understand more of these things if you are doing financial management. Future contract, forward contract, options, currency swap is hedging against the uh, negative movements in the currency. Then cash receipt from future contract, forward contract, options, and all of that can also be classified under the investing activity. So when we finish, the net of that will give us the net cash flows from the investing activities. Then we come to the final aspect, and that is going to be net cash flows or financing activities. So with this one, we said that uh, it has to look at the... Uh, so let's read what is there. Let's read what is there. The separate disclosure of cash flows arising from financing activities is important because it is useful in predicting claims on future cash flows by providers of capital to the entity. Example of cash flows arising from financing activities are cash proceeds from issuing debentures, loan notes, bonds, mortgages, short-term or long-term borrowing. All these come under the financing activity. Cash repayment of amount borrowed, cash payment by LSC for the reduction of the outstanding liability related to a financial lease. So you remember this if you are doing financial reporting, you know capital lease that we pay, the capital component. You know, when a company leases an asset, we'll talk about this later under IAS 17, that is EPSAS 13. But let me give you a trick, uh, an understanding here. If we lease an asset, okay, and uh, we, we are supposed to make an annual installment payment. Every installment payment contains two components. One of the components is the uh, capital component, and the other one is the interest component. That is the interest rate implicit on the lease. So what we are saying here is that the interest implicit on the lease is part of the expenses when we are preparing a statement of financial performance. Okay, with the depreciation goes to the statement of financial performance. But the capital component of that installment, where we are preparing the cash flow statement, that goes into the financing activity. That goes into the financing activity. I hope that is clear. If it is not clear, rewind. Okay, so that is what we mean by presenting of the cash flow statement. So once you have your next cash flow from operating activities, next cash flows from uh, investing activities, net cash flow from financing activities, you add a three up and that will give you net increase or decrease in cash and cash equivalent. And as I've said earlier, if it is a positive by the addition of those three things, it is called net increase. But if it is a negative, then it is called net decrease. Then we then add the cash and cash equivalent at the beginning of the year and that will give us the cash and cash equivalent at the end of the year. So let's look at the cash flow statements. You can see the pro forma there. And uh, I've included both the direct method and indirect method there. It's just a repetition of the things I've already spoken about. And you can see the pro forma there. But let me focus on the indirect uh, method and look at it uh, in a bit detail. You can see from the indirect method I hope it's going to be projected on the screen for you so you can see that as well. So, when we are preparing the consolidated uh, fund cash flow statements, as I mentioned, 
we are going to be starting with the in, if you are doing the using the indirect method, then we are going to start with the surplus and deficits from the statement of financial performance. Then we make various adjustments for non-cash movements like depreciation, like amortization, like uh, increase or decrease in provisions. That is done. Then there are other working capital issues like uh, increase or decrease in payables, increase or decrease in borrowing, increase or decrease in provision relating to employees, gain or losses on the sale of property, plants and equipment. Now let me explain this very well for you to understand what is happening right here. Now, so when it comes to issues like uh, current assets, now when I say current assets here, um, what I mean is I'm talking about uh, inventory, I'm talking about receivables and other stuff. So when it comes to current assets, there are two things. It, what, remember I told you when we prepare the cash flow, you'll be giving two financial states, two statements of financial position. The previous year statement of financial position and the current year statement of financial position. So it is a comparison of the line item that tells you whether it has increased or it has decreased. So let's say we have inventory. And in 20X5, the inventory was 2,500. In 20Xs, the inventory has increased to 2,800. So, there has been an increase by what? 300. Now, if your inventories increase, what does it mean to you as an organization? What does it mean to you as a business owner? Last year, you were having 2,500. This year, you were having 2,800. If you have your inventories increasing, it means you are losing money. It means you are buying more inventories. Are you getting the idea? So, increase in inventory is a cash outflow. And we put that in brackets. So the reverse is true. A decrease in inventory means you are selling your inventories, hence money is coming into the business. The same thing happens to receivables, the people who owe you, your debtors. Now, your debtors figure, if it is increasing, it means that you are buying inventory and selling it to them and they are not giving you any money. So increase in trade receivables or increase in receivables is going to be uh, an outflow, and we put that in a bracket. But when our receivables is decreasing, it means they are paying you. It means you are receiving the money. It means there is cash inflow. So that is a cash inflow and that is a positive to the organization. So that is the idea about the current assets. So you gotta understand the increase aspect and the decrease aspect when you are comparing the two. Then we come to current liabilities. Current liabilities. Now when we talk about current liabilities, what are we talking about? When we talk about current liabilities, what are we talking about? Current liability, we are talking about payables, okay? Talking about provisions and other payables. Uh, outstanding expenses, employee benefits, all of these are payables. Now, the treatment of payable is the direct opposite for the treatment of uh, current asset is the direct opposite of current liability. So, if we have payables, so look at it. In 20x5, payables was 10,500. In 20x, payables is, uh, let's say, 9,200. Now, you can see that your payables has decreased by how much? That would be 1,300, if my memory serves me right. Yeah, 1,300. If your payables decrease, the payables are the people you owe. 
So if the people you owe, the amount you owe them is decreasing, what does it mean? It means you are paying them. Okay? It means you are paying them. Now, if you are paying them, what does it mean then? It means money is going out of the business. Alright? So if his money is going out of the business, then that is negated. The reverse is true. If your payables and liabilities are increasing, then it means that it's a cash inflow to the company. And when you are doing financial management, you realize that trade payables is actually a source of revenue, uh, to a source of finance, sorry, to the organization in relation to that. Now, like I said, the reason why I'm taking time to further explain the indirect method is because the direct method is simple, it's something that you can do always because of your ability to prepare a statement of financial performance, taking into consideration only the cash items there. Right, so that is the idea about that. Everything else is the same and that is it. Now, so we've looked at the objective, what it seeks to do, we've looked at its importance or usage, we've looked at the core definitions which are the operating activities, the investing activities, the financing activity, cash, cash equivalent, control, we've looked at what control means and other uh, terminologies in relation to that. And most importantly, we've looked at the presentation of the cash flow statement. Remember that we have the operating activities, investing activities, financing activities. But most importantly, pay attention to the requirement of the question whether you are supposed to use the operating activities or the uh, whether you are supposed to use the direct method or the indirect method for the operating activities. Now, sometimes the question will be silent. The examiner will give you a trial balance and will ask you to prepare the statement of financial performance, the statement of financial position, then possibly the cash flow statement. In that case, Many people, or we just give you a trial balance and we'll ask you to prepare the cash flow statement for the company. In that case, what you're going to be doing is that you're going to be using the direct method. Look at the cash payments, uh, look at the cash receipts for our operating activities, and that will give you the net cash flows from the operating activities. So that is very important. The structure of the question will guide you on the type of uh, the, the, the method you use in the preparation of the operating activity or the operating segment of the cash flow statement. If you are giving trial balance and you are told to prepare a cash flow statement, note that the operating activities will be prepared using the direct method. But if you are giving two-year financial statement, two-year statement of financial position and current year statement of financial performance, then you know that you have to use the indirect method for the preparation of the cash flow statement. So this is what you have to understand about the answers to the cash flow statement. Again, if you have any questions, you know what to do. You write them down and during our one-on-one -on -one session or in-class uh, discussions, you can raise those questions up and we can answer all those questions for you. But most importantly, I want you to see the unism that we are having or the uniformity in the IPSAS and then the IAS. Look at the IAS 1, IPSAS 1, IAS 7, IPSAS uh, 2. You realize that the treatments are the same with just some slight modification in order to make it suitable for the public sector organization. So this is what you have to understand about IPSAS 2. I'll see you in the next video as we continue with our discussion and we'll talk about IPSAS 3, accounting policies, change in accounting estimates and errors.